Happy New Year, Thingateers. Yeah, we we made it out of 2019. Maybe a little a little battered and bruised and probably a little bloody, but 2020's here. And I'm really, really happy about that. <laughs> I'm not. More on that later. <laughs> yeah, we're fair enough. Fair enough. But New Year. I'm not going to say the last half of that because we're better than that now. We're in a decade. We're in the roaring 20s, which means my emo, my little emo friends and I get to come back out of the woodworks and the studded belts are going to be a thing and the super raccoon eyeliner and saying roar means I love you and dinosaur. Roaring 20s. Oh my goodness. It is the time of my people and it's the year of optical. This is the, this is my year. <laughs> So anyways, the insanity begins early. Yeah, guys, I'm, you can say I've missed you, maybe. It's It was a nice break, though. I think we really needed it. The holidays were kicking our asses, and that's the nicest way I could put it. And I couldn't take it and have us take it at a worse time because we missed two big events. <sighs> you don't... On the bright side, I got to watch one of them. Almost all of it. And I got to watch some super awesome highlights. More on that later. Yes. We're going to start with some news that came out that we missed. Got a couple things. Yeah, because, you know, taking a week off, like, right after the holidays, you know, everything had to happen. So there's a, there's a couple things we need to discuss today. The first of which being that apparently there's going to be a Harry Potter flagship store opening up in New York City. Okay, but here's the thing. It's the first flagship Harry Potter store to open. The first one, outside of Universal Studios, like, so this is the first time you don't have to give Disney money, or not Disney, but like give a, you know, corporation money to go in to go buy more things. You mean Universal? Universal, yes. Thank you. Even though I just said it, but... Actually, it's Warner Brothers, but... <laughs> Same shit. Yeah, go figure. Universal has Harry Potter land, but Warner Brothers is the franchise. Yeah. But Warner Brothers doesn't have a theme park. Not yet. They should get on that. Well, just I mean, a Harry when... Potter theme park all on its own. Yeah, it would make so much money. But it, it just surprises me that it took... Because, okay, so let's let's put this into perspective. The first book came out in, like, 1997. And Roughly. then... In 1997. That's the first time it was published. Like, so... We've had all of this time, you know, for it to, like, become, like, a global phenomenon. Because it really started to pick up probably in, like, the early... Like, the early thousands. The early knots. Like, zero through three. <laughs> And then it became a global phenomenon after the fact. And I mean, even with like merch inside of, you know, because you would have to get Harry Potter merch from Barnes and Noble and from when Borders was a thing. Oh, yeah. Remember yeah, Borders? Borders? I know. Borders was my shiz. That's where I used to go. Fuck Barnes yeah, and Noble. Now I go to Barnes and Noble. Because but... they have to. Actually, I go to Half Price Books. Yeah, Half Price Books is good. But like, it's just, it doesn't have the same like vibe as Borders. I can hang out in Borders after school all day and like not even blink an eye. I feel awkward doing that in Barnes and Noble. I'm getting off topic here. But the fact that this is like the first outside store is absolutely mind boggling to me. Cause like you've had the pop up shops that the people have gotten sued over. And like, I mean, Harry Potter's still massive, but is it, is it to the level where like I would want my flagship store now? I mean, I think it still is. Since they're still coming out with things for the franchise, yeah, but it's you not have the, the fantastic, same. but the Fantastic Beast series, and that's for a whole another generation anyway. Because you have the generation that are us that grew up with the, the books. books that got turned into the movies, but 
our generation's kids aren't going to grow up with that experience. So instead, they're getting the Fantastic Tale or the Fantastic Beasts series. Mm-hmm. That kind of supplements and happens before. So when that finishes, you'll have two complete series. Yeah, and like, don't get me wrong. Like, I love the Fantastic Beasts. I haven't seen them. I have. They. I, I need to. The the beauty of Harry Potter is that they always come out around. They usually do come out in November ish. Yeah. Yeah. Except for Harry Potter Four and the Goblet of Fire, which came out in July. It was the only one to come out in a summer release outside of Harry Potter and the Deathly Hallows Part Two, and that's just because it was Part Two, and that one came out at the end of June, which was perfect in terms of release date. <laughs> This is my shiz. Like, I don't get to get that nerdy about certain things, but Harry Potter is definitely, like, one of them. So come at me, like, Scrub Lords. I'm fucking rich. Um, I'm excited. If I ever find my way in New York, which I probably won't because, like, I'm a Chicago girl. So me and New York got beef. Um, but if I happen to find my way out into New York, maybe I'll check out the store. We don't have a release or a release date, like an opening day yet. Um, it probably won't happen until 2022. Maybe end of 2021, right around Christmas time, because, you know, capitalism. So I'm interested to see how this works out. But they're supposed to have everything from wands to robes. I would like a personalized wand. That's like, so as much of a Harry Potter stan as I am, I actually don't have a wand. It's on my list of things to get. You could get yourself a wand. I need to get myself a wand. I've earned one at this point because I've been doing magic with like my hands, which is a lot harder. So I just like, I need the wood in there. I need the wood in my hands. <laughs> It's 2020, y'all. Yes. <laughs> I'm back in full form. <laughs> so <laughs> anyway, yeah. By the way, I would expect this probably would open 2021, probably around the time Fantastic Beast Three comes out. Right. You know, as as you do, and they'll probably like have like a little like launch party there because it's New York, and then they'll have like the big movie premiere. But like, what yes, do we woo. know? What do we know? Speaking of woo, Robert Downey Jr. says he's open to return as Iron Man in the future. Yay. But he's not necessarily gone. Oh, you mean he's still sticking around? I guess. I mean, the best way to put it is he's reprising the role to play him in Black Widow. Mm-hmm. And during some talking, he said that it's not necessarily out of the question that he could return to play Iron Man. Leave that how you want it. Well, I mean, and this was something that we had even talked about many moons ago on our Let's Talk. When we were a little baby Let's Talk comic books yeah it's comic books and also like robert downey jr didn't want to be done with the mcu like but they were like no you're gonna die yeah sorry snap (laughs) yep you got thanos snapped and only you got iron snapped instead but right because like something actually happened oh (laughs) but yeah so like i knew like he would find a way to get his way back in and even still, um, Jeff Goldblum has also confirmed that he will at least voice one episode on Marvel's What If series. So, like, he's he's not done with Marvel. He's not done with Disney. He still wants that sweet, sweet Disney paycheck. Dr. Doolittle's just fun to, like, show he can still do other things in the meantime. <laughs> right. And, I mean, he'll make that sweet, sweet Disney royalty money anyway, which is always nice. Oh, yeah. Disney royalty? And I mean, he is still, again, he's playing him in Black Widow. Um, he's also returning to voice Tony Stark in an episode of Disney's animated, you know, Marvel What If series, and that was confirmed by Jeff Goldblum. So he's he's in this. He's, he's, he's finding his work around to his big movie death. 
And he's like, fine, I'll go do these little things instead. Because I'm Iron Man. I'm Iron Man. <laughs> okay, so now we got it. So let's start about talking about a little tech here. So CES comes and goes, and we have something not CES tech related that's getting lumped in with CES techs because the sex box isn't getting exclusives for a year. Sorry, guys, you can't go steady with your sex boxes just yet. <laughs> I think I'm more fancy. I just wasn't ready. <laughs> That's right. So they're going to keep making games for the Xbox One and the Series X and next generation Xbox together. So if you have an old system, you can play the games that come out for the new system. Which is great in theory because so not a system exclusive. So you don't have to make you don't have to get ready to make that commitment just yet. You can dabble first. So it's backdoor. I mean backwards compatible. Yes. Okay. Okay. Yes. <laughs> All yeah, right. There is that backdoor in. Okay. Oh God. I'm so not over it. <laughs> That's right. Our double entendre post will now be sex box posts. Yes. Oh my goodness. Okay. I got this. Get some actual thoughts on this, or no. do I need to move along? To I think we're going to move along. Else? I said All what right. I needed to say. <laughs> so before we jump into actual CES talk, let's talk about something that wasn't there. So last year, the big, the big hullabaloo was that the sex industry couldn't show off their vibrators at CES. So Microsoft and their sex box really couldn't, like, make it to CES last year? Yeah, they weren't um, able to show you those new VR options. <laughs> Which, no. actually, were able to be shown off this year. Why didn't you take the sex box there so you could show those horny little uh, porn convention goers? <laughs> so I, <laughs> I saw something today, which made me chuckle a little bit, where it was just, like, a nice little interview, and the guy was just like, okay, if you had to say, if you couldn't play video games for you know, for the rest of your life or never have sex again. His response was, do I look like I have sex to you? Yep. And like, that's, that's the, that's the sum up of the, uh, the sex box boys for me, for sure. So, but we didn't get another fun thing this year. No cannabis tech. No 420 blazing it at CESA. And this would have been such a good year for it. Cause like for 2020. Ha 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 ha. Yep. It would have made sense. I know. It would have made perfect sense. But <laughs> so, yeah, it wasn't there because they wanted to keep it, or trying to keep, you know, certain things. And it's, I guess the main reason they didn't have is it's not legal everywhere. Right. So I understand their reasoning, but they're also having it in the state of Nevada. Where, where it's legal. Definitely is legal. And, and it's been legal there for a while now. By the states of Colorado and California and others in New Mexico and Arizona that all have medical and legal status. Right. And it's to, you know, the same respect of, like, you know, certain things that you buy in certain states aren't always, you know, as legal in yeah, others. I mean, why but... do you think people would make beer runs across county lines or state lines? Oh, yeah. To get their alcohol if you live in a dry county or a dry state. <laughs> like, when, so thankfully, I didn't have to worry about it too much, but growing up in Wisconsin, they had 24-hour liquor drive throughs Mm-hmm. And you can actually take stuff to go. But, and, like, coming here, it's not the case. <laughs> nope, everything shuts down at, like, midnight unless it's a bar. Mm -hmm, yeah. And, and then, then it's two. Yeah. And, and bars in Chicago would go until, like, 
o'clock in the morning and then they'd close for two hours and then they'd be back up at like seven serving breakfast. Yeah. <laughs> like liquor laws in different places are just how they are. Yeah. So like, but you can still, you know, purchase things that, you know, I can still get like a shot glass in a dry county or, you know, and yeah. bring it to it, you know, and it's just a tool for something that we already know is like wildly available. Yes. Right. You know, and that's all it is, is it's a technology thing. And like, sure, you could say that you're using it to burn sage or what have you. And, you know, you find your work way around it. And it's, although it is to be family friendly, it is not, it's still like creating a stigma well, around it. But it's it. not creating, it's not really to be family friendly because they are allowing sex. In. They are allowing the sex industry in there. And the sex tech industry after last year's debacle. <laughs> and I expect this could make them maybe include the cannabis industry next year. But they shouldn't get included just because of a controversy of them, like, not but getting in. Because excluding the cannabis industry in general isn't just for THC consumption. It's for, like, CBD. It's for CBD consumption. and for CBD is legal. And CBD is 100% legal in all states. You know, like a stash box to keep it away and safe that they have one there that lets you have it, that has a scale in it and is app activated that lets you know how much you have at any given time by looking at it and you can set it to only open a certain amount of time a day, et cetera, et cetera. Right. That's a cool thing. That would have been perfect to show off. And CES did grant them to come in, and this is the best of the show, but they decided not to show it on the floor because they couldn't keep it as a stash box. They had to call it something else. Ah. Like Pax Industries is another industry that's been, there's another company that's not really there because of the fact they're designed for cannabis burning. It's a way to burn whole whole bud cannabis and flower in they're like a vaporizer form right and they have a new one out there that can actually tell you just based on that what strain etc you're on but that's not allowed to be shown off and those are useful things for people who consume it medically right or you know also still like if like for whatever reason like if you live in a place where well i, I guess like like let's say you live in a place that isn't legal mm -hmm. and you still have to get your stuff from the streets like knowing like what you're consuming like having it tell you like what it is and all that stuff like that just makes you a more in more invest or what's the word I'm looking for? A conscious consumer. Okay. Yeah, it makes you more intelligent about what you're buying. It yes. makes you more aware of what you're trust the source it's coming from. Exactly. And it's just like the similar respect at like, you know, raves and all of those like festivals and stuff that have drug testing tents. Mm -hmm. And they let you know if like, you know, because it's like they know what's happening. Yeah. So just be safe about it. Like, oh hey, don't take this. This is bad. Or hey, you could take this. This is good. And it's just like at the end of the day, people are going to pick their poison. So just let them pick the poison that they actually signed up for. Yeah. And let them just use the tools to get there. Like if people, you know, obviously there's a need for it. Otherwise, it wouldn't have gotten created. Exactly. <laughs> I mean, exactly. There's That's the whole point of CES. Yeah, it's an industry <laughs> that is innovative in its own way. Because without it coming along, we wouldn't have the way to make the vapor industry go into the more of the pod format widespread. Because... Marijuana and cannabis industry found a way to vaporize the oils at a small amount. <laughs> and thanks to that, you got things like the jewels and, you know. Oh, like don't mention jewels because jewels are bad. Well, everything's bad for you. It's just how you decide to take it. <laughs> I hate. <laughs> Go back to pick your poison. <laughs> but moving on into more CES talk. So. Now that we got our CES warm up, some of the big trends at CES this year were foldables. Let's fold some stuff. From phones to computers, laptops, tablet, everything foldable. But that's not what I want to talk about. What do you want to talk about? 
I'm going to talk about the Alienware UFO for a moment. Okay. I'm going to talk about some foldables, but I want to start with this UFO because it's basically a Nintendo Switch gaming PC. An on-the-go gaming PC? Essentially. Nice. So the reason I say Nintendo Switch is the way it works. So you have two controllers on the side that pop off and out on a central thing like the Switch has. Mm-hmm. But instead of playing, you know, the console games, you're playing a gaming PC with an integrated graphics card. So it is using the process, laptop processor inside of it. It does get super hot for what I was seeing and oh. reading about it. But it it worked. <laughs> yeah. And it's only, like, the second prototype? Something so, like that. Yeah, yeah it's, so. it's one of only two prototypes, like, that have made it onto this list. Like, so, like, they've had... But it's, it's cool. Yeah, it's a cool concept. It's It's nice to see... It's also cool to see, like, Nintendo Senpai, like, motivating people to do more creative things with their technology. Because they didn't pioneer this, and, like, I will never claim that because, like, we've had, like, the PlayStation, like, Vita, and, like, all that other stuff, you know, or PSP, and things more that I think lean heavier towards, like, the Switch category before the Switch actually did it. But, like, the Switch got it to the point where it's obviously maybe created a need, but also, like, really targeted that need. Kind of. This what the Switch did was make it to where a handheld wasn't necessarily thought of as something you would just play in your hands anymore. Right. Um, the Vita, the PSP were still very much handheld. Mm-hmm. And they couldn't compete with what Nintendo did with the innovation of the DS, which was less powerful hardware than either of those two. Either Both versions of the DS were not as strong as what the PSP or Vita were putting out. But they did better. Because Nintendo knew how to market that. They didn't need to appeal to a higher power game. And that's mm-hmm. the reason with the Switch. The Switch isn't to compete with Sony or Microsoft. It's Nintendo doing their thing. And they innovated a lot with it. Um, and the biggest thing with the Switch is, is that fact that it can be both. And that's what I think Alienware is If you want to be able to play your PC game, your Steam library on the go. Yeah, because there are some... Like, there's a whole bunch of Steam games that would work perfect in a handheld. Yeah, it's, you know, if you want to play The Witcher 3 while you're sitting on a train... But you don't want to, you know, you don't want to think you have, you want to play your PC version, your Steam library version, because you already own it, you don't already buy it. Right. Now you could get to where you're going, have a TV to set up on, plug in the USB C adapter into the USB, undo the controllers on the side, just like a switch, put them on the dock, and you're playing. And one thing they did from what I saw was they put the charger on the top, <laughs> which makes sense if you're charging it to play. Yeah, it does. Because you're not docking it anyway. Right. And I think that's the biggest thing is, like, for Nintendo, like, it has to be at the bottom because, like, you dock it. And, I mean, for me, like, that just makes more sense. But I'm also used to the cable being down there brought for what it is. And, like, also with how big it looks, having it on the top is actually probably for the best. So it'll be interesting to see how that develops. Yes. It will be interesting, but I'm very, very interested in it. So I would like to see what it does. See how you can get your hands on it. Yeah, one thing that scared me was the Tombot. Uh, this realistic-looking animatronic dog made by the Jim Henson Company. I mean, it's to it, it it's there to help with those with like autism and stress disorders and elderly with like memory function and such. But it looks creepy. It's a little too much into the unca- uncanny valley for my liking. Like. They even, like, tried to make the dog kind of wrinkly. And, like, I guess in, in this case, like, they are marketing to 
primarily right now, elderly. So, like, it's going to be great for, you know, people on the spectrum and dealing with those mental illness stuff. But that's not their primary target right now. No. Like, because old people can try it out for not, and they don't have to be on the waiting list and do all that other stuff. And, like, they, their eyesight isn't as good as it used to be. So yeah, it makes sense. Like, it passes. And you can but, have one for five for $450. Which is cheaper than a dog sometimes. Depends on the dog. Depends on the dog. The I, dogs that I like are more expensive. But my dog was a $20 Craigslist dog. So. My dog was free. <laughs> but I will say the one thing about this I'm most surprised about is it doesn't look like a Muppet. It was made by Jim Henson and doesn't look like a Muppet. He's evolving. <laughs> yes, the company's evolving. Who would have thought? It like like if you squint, like if I take my glasses off, it looks like a dog. Like from here. Yeah, but I'm sure if you take your glasses off, I look like a dog. Now I'm more like a walrus. Oh, well, good. <laughs> Catch me my newest movie. It's called Tusk. Came out a couple years ago. Oh, oh my god. <laughs> so Nancy, I do want to talk to you about something on CEO. Okay. I want to talk to you about some makeup. Yeah. Okay, so what had happened was, is L'Oreal decided to present a, like, self-mixing, not self-mixing, but, like, a customized makeup tool, I guess is the word I want to use, where you can basically customize, like, your skincare routine or lipsticks. Um, so, in theory, it's really cool. And they said, like, you could only do this by hand until now, which is true. And I am a person, like, I actually will go in and I actually mix foundations. Mm -hmm. I mix foundation shades. I mix brands to get, like, a different type of tackiness, depending on, like, what I need my makeup to do that day. Um, so I'm very much of the weird makeup science. But this, to me, seems really gimmicky. Um, but would you try it? I would try it if I didn't have to pay for it. I will not pay for something like this. Um, especially because you also got to think like, there's going to be a bunch of people that don't know what they're doing, mixing things together. And it's not going to be pretty because certain oils don't work with different lotions or like if you put like a serum and an oil together, it coagulates and it like, it can cause like some really bad issues with the skin. And like you run the risk with that with most skincare. And, you know, things that you put on your face is, like, your, how your skin reacts. But when you're mixing things that might not, should should not get mixed together, it actually can be kind of dangerous. Let's see. Because you've got different... nothing about any of this. Oh, yeah. So, no, so like, I'm going to defer to you. This yeah. was interesting. Yeah, this it's very interesting. Yeah, no, this is interesting. Dangerous. Because I, I, I take my skincare very seriously. I've had a very meticulous skincare routine since middle school. So... I'm very particular about this kind of thing. So th that's the thing that worries me is that people are going to hurt themselves with this. Like, cause you can get chemical burns if you mix them. Wrong. And I'm sure like they're going to test things and like, Oh yeah, these all work together. So if they all work together, that means they're not going to. So you mean to say they need to put a disclaimer? No, don't. So I can sue. <laughs> so yes, they need to put they a disclaimer. disclaimer. They need to put a disclaimer. Um, if, if anything, I'm not worried about different tones so you can obviously tell like i don't care about that but the skincare one is the thing that definitely worries me you hear that l'oreal disclaimers 
a thing saving you from lawsuits. That's what we're doing here in 2020. That's yeah. our PSA for you. <laughs> <laughs> right. A PSA of 2020, don't get sued. <laughs> let's talk about the Y brush. <laughs> yeah. Why? Yeah, let's talk about this for a minute. No, it's a $125 just... <laughs> toothbrush. Why? That takes the time, the two-minute activity, the two minutes that you spare twice, maybe three times a day to brush your teeth. And gets it down to a mind-blowing 10 seconds. Guys, it's like microwaving a Pop-Tart. If you can't make time to toast one in the morning, you need to get up a little earlier. I'm not okay with this. I'm not. I want to know why. I want to know who doesn't have two minutes to brush their teeth in the morning. And, like, I am someone who whose schedule, like, is done to, like, the skin of their teeth. And even I have two minutes to brush my teeth in the morning. Even if, it, like, I'm running around and start, I still have two minutes in there somewhere. This terrifies me, because ten seconds for it to go, <laughs> and apparently clean your teeth. Yeah, no, I'm all right. Thanks, though. I don't need them. Try to. I don't. Yeah. Does this whole face vibrate? <laughs> I just. I does this have to know? It's just not. It's not appealing to me. I don't need that in my mouth. I mean, I don't. I, it's a weird mouth guard. I'd try it. All right, I would try it once. Like if I got an opportunity to get one, I would try it. I see, even for free, you couldn't pay me to use this thing. No, I, I'd try it. Mm -mm. I don't need my teeth vibrating out of my skull. Thanks, though. Yo, why brush? Give me a call. I'll, I'll sponsor it. I'll let you sponsor us for a why brush. I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna say X brush. I mean, look at this. It's a mouth guard with bristles. It looks like two centipedes just kind of crawling around in the mouth guard. Ah, oh, like ah, Let's go. Ah. It's so much worse for me. Oh God! I don't fucking. Let's go and talk man. about Fitbits for babies. Okay, so sad yeah. beats to babies. Other things that crawl around and put things in their mouths. Ugh. Pampers the Lumi. So this is a little camera sensor system that attaches to your baby's diaper. Mind you, the camera is separate from the sensors. Yeah, I was a little confused on that the first time I read and it. And it tells you how well they sleep and if they're getting enough sleep and if it's enough sleep for their age and tracks activities and includes recommendations to help parents be proactive care. Instead of fly by your seat. And this is pointless. It's basically a baby monitor with a Fitbit. If you really want to know this information that badly on your kids, look at the camera. Yeah. You'll find out if they're awake or not. Yeah. That's what a baby monitor is for. Yeah, you can hear them. You can hear them fussing. And then also, okay, so like here's the issue that I have with this. Is that the starter kit is $350. So you mean to tell me that two human beings that have just acquired a child, one way or the other, they, they stole it, they made it, they bought it, and they have an extra $350 to spend on a Fitbit? Yeah, no. Here's my thought, or my question. Is it only compatible with these special diapers? Probably, because... Will that's... it work with other diapers? Is it built in diaper and these are disposable diapers? You know? Because if you look at it, it's a disposable diaper, but it doesn't look like it's attached to anything but the diaper in the picture, but it won't show us a picture of the diaper behind it. Right. So does that mean that all of them have this thing, or there's a specific spot? 
that like it gets like quote unquote like plugged into. Well, because here's the thing: if it's not like plugged, if it's not reusable and it's in each a single thing, that's expensive. Yeah. And it's not worth the money. I mean, I don't think this is worth the money anyway. And this, but all about raising a human being. So I'm on the Pampers website, and there's still a clean picture of the diapers. No, apparently it is just a act. It's it's just its own sensor. Good. Okay. So, but like. So here's what it does. It automatically tracks sleep, including naps. Automatically tracks wet diapers and diaper changes. Okay. Which, I mean, not hard to figure out if your kid's wet, guys. Check their pants. Yeah. And enhanced with Velcro to remain secure to diapers, even after a thousand diaper changes. See, they make that seem like that's a really big number, but it's not, it's not that big of a number. <laughs> Subtle from birth to 12 months. I'm sorry, not subtle. Suitable. From birth to 12 months of age with a video monitor and app continuing to work past the baby's first year. So you're telling me I'm spending $350 for something? Yeah. But don't worry, you still get a camera out of it. And it's probably not going to be a good one. Battery design around three months. Replacements are free with a subscription to the app. So, <sighs> so it's more than $300. So because you have an app subscription now. In the, bat in, in the and, battery to change. Yeah, and they say about three months. And that's just like when I say, like, my phone battery lasts about 16 hours. Like, How nice is the camera, at least? Please tell me it's at least a nice camera. 1080 PhD with night vision. Wide angle, 880 degree. Two-way audio, continuous background audio monitoring. Encryption. Monitors room temperature and humidity. Okay, that's useful. Okay, so, like, you're basically spending $350 camera. for a camera. And then they're like, here's a gimmicky thing that we're trying out to go with it. But the camera's really And coming soon to all my ad feeds will be 15% off coupons. Oh, yeah, because you clicked on something for... Oh, I love the way the, the algorithms for ads work. I do, too. And just because, like, I'm chilling here, I'll end up with, like, I don't even want or have spawn. So I've got two more things I want to talk about. For... Okay. First one is Dabby. Dabby is a $400 box you put on your TV subscriptions for you. Essentially, it combines them all into a feed, tracks which ones you use how often, and that's really about it. Finds it uh, I'm sorry, it searches other sources too for them. So if you need to find free videos, things like that, you'll find it. Okay. For $400, it can be yours. No, what do thanks. you think? Pass? Yeah. Cool. Now that we've talked about Dabby, let's talk about the big what-the-fuck thing I saw at CES. Is it time? So my what-the-fuck-what-is-this-moment of CES came from one product. That and it's... is both kosher and halal certified. But, like, shouldn't be. Because it's impossible. By definition, it is impossible. But it's pork. Impossible pork. Impossible pork. <laughs> what the fuck even is this? You know, we, I guess we have to blame Burger King on this with their Impossible Burger. Thanks, you know Burger King. When this comes out with the Impossible Sausage that they're making, I will buy some and I will try it and let people know how it is since it is going to be kosher certified. 
I will try it and see what it tastes like. Huh. That's a different answer than what I got earlier this week. No, I've been thinking about it. Okay. I've been thinking about it. And if it is kosher, I will try it. Okay, fair enough. I mean, I tried the Impossible Burger, the Impossible yeah, Whopper, and it actually yeah. was like the only thing from Burger King that didn't make me sick. So maybe there's hope. Maybe. There's a chance. I mean, we'll plants see. are good for you. Contrary to popular belief. They but, are. Well, you see, I've decided to become a goo man. See? No. I'm going to sell some goo to people. Hmm. <laughs> no. That's all this is, is goo. That's basically what it, it is. It is processed goo, guys. So yeah. South Park tells it best. It is processed artificial goo, and that is no worse than what you're already eating. Yeah, if you've ever had a McDonald's chicken nugget, you've eaten goo more times. How dare you insult chicky nuggies? They don't count as chicky nuggies. Those are chicky nuggies. I don't know, man. Wendy's makes chicky nuggies. McDonald's makes... I'll drop a poll on Twitter. Mcdonald's. And just it are McDonald's chicken chicky nuggies. And the we'll find out... Yes. I can't do the pink slime, man. I can't do it. Okay. That's beef. And that's Taco Bell beef. And you ate beef tacos from Taco Bell the other night. I call you out on that. I mean, also, so did you. Yeah, but, <laughs> but no, no, give a shit. Like the beef, no, like, and, like, I mean, I've watched, like, the whole... And, okay, to be fair, I think Taco Bell actually stopped using that after that whole thing came out. But yeah. Yeah. most companies do, because it's not... Pink slime isn't chicken. It's beef. The thing with the chicken is it's mechanically separated chicken, but at least it's 100% white meat. I mean, you can grind anything down and make it white. <laughs> no, it's 100% white meat in the chicken nuggets now. Nowadays, after that whole thing, like, yeah. dropped. So but then they stopped tasting as good. They're still delicious chicken nuggies. Anyway, Impossible Pork, coming soon. I'll it's try still, it. Still a big what the fuck. It's like, but I'll try it too. I, I'll actually want to try the sausage. Not necessarily just like the pork part, because like I actually like pork. And... Like, I'll, I'll try it. Sure. I mean, why not? What's the worst that could happen? Famous last words. Are they gonna do chicken? Are we gonna get chicken nuggies? Impossible chicken nuggies, and they could just call them impossible nuggies. Impossible nuggies. Let's go. See, man, we need to like start copywriting some of the stuff that because... comes out of our mouth. Like these are golden ideas. Right. So is GDQ hype. Oh, let's go. <laughs> AGDQ ran last week. That's right, our annual. Well, actually, this one is. It's the annual January run they do this year, raising $3.13 million. It's a lot of money for the ah. Prevent Cancer Foundation. And this year, I got to sit down and watch a crap ton of speedruns. That's all I talked about. But we're not going to oh. talk about all of them. But there are a couple. We can't. We can't no. We don't have time for me to talk about every single I watch, but there's a couple that I wanted to highlight. They are available on YouTube already, so you can check them before the rest of them come, because I'll talk about a few that aren't available on YouTube. But, let's talk about, let's talk about Fallout. Let's talk about the Fallout run first. Okay, so. Because I know you had some thoughts about Tomato oh. Angus drop with the Silent G. Yes, Tomato Angus with the Silent G um, was... Okay, so coming from coming from me, like watching that whole playthrough, like, oh, okay, he's playing full. Oh shit, it's already over. Okay, so here's the second one. Oh shit, it's already over. Like, I think the first like three games were done in like twelve minutes, maybe yeah, roughly. Like, so blinking, you miss it. Basically, and 
I'm also very new to speed runs. And like when I play when I play Mario, like I like doing I like playing the ones that like you have to do in like it's like I feel accomplished. And I'm I'm not totally terrible at those. Right. Which is like almost kind of the same thing. Like you gotta just you gotta go. But to see like the way like I learned so much about Fallout just from like the short playthroughs of like all the knowledge that like Tomato Anus like got through. Yeah, he's telling you the entire story of as he's glitching past all. Yes, he had such a personality too. Like he was so much fun. And then when he brought out his little diagram, <laughs> right. So dude had some arts and crafts time apparently before um, AGDQ because he he showed us like how the glitch path like worked. Like he had like two cups and then like a little pipe cleaner dude. And he's like, okay, so I'm gonna go here and that's gonna drop me down here, which could bring me up over here. And then like all this is happening while a huge cutscene during Fallout Four is going on. Yep. And and then by the end of it, he wraps it up with the uh, it's it took me longer to explain how this glitch works than for me to actually do the glitch. And he did it in like point two seconds. Like it was amazing. And he just did like the full triathlon or how many was it? It was five? Four? Five games that he went through? Five. Five. Fallout 1, 2, 3, New Vegas, and 4. Yeah. So, to, like, watch him, like, go through, like, all and him just, like, and he had just some, like, great commentary, too. Like, he was just a good guy. So it was a very fun one for me to watch. He was a good one. I mean, I enjoyed that run a lot. That's to you. The other one I think I sent to you was the Medieval run. <laughs> Poor developers. Uh, <laughs> Poor that boys. whole run was them just basically ragging on each other, broken certain aspects of their game work. But we also need to talk about how that started. Oh, fuck cancer. I can say fuck, right? Instaban. Like, <laughs> no, you cannot say fuck. Then he goes back, frick cancer. Frick, frick cancer, cancer in the, the bum. bum. <laughs> and then he goes later and he's like, frick it to hell. Wait, I can say hell. Ban. Yep. Oh my god. And just listening to them throughout <laughs> it. Yeah. It was really good. Yeah, and like the guy, like he was just like, okay, so I've got some special guests with me. So like the, the developers were there, like, because of the power of the internet. Yep. And they were just like all like ragging on him. It's like, oh, you mean you don't like this level that I asked this guy to change like for four months? And he's like, no, man, people will get it. And then like. <laughs> yep. It was great to listen. They sounded like us talking. A little bit. And that was great to hear. That's a one run I wanted you to see. Yeah, no, that one was fun. And then when they're like, oh, what's the spawn rate for Earth? And it's like, oh, it's like one out of like 255 or something like that. And then they spawn like back to back Earths. Yep. And the guy was just like, I... I need to fix that. Yeah, I need to fix that. You can't spawn any more Earths because I don't I don't want to take out a mortgage on my house. Because <laughs> they were donating every time they spawned and destroyed yeah, Earth. He was donating and they were giving away um, game keys. Mm -hmm. For this so. broken ass game. Well, okay, no, so the speedrunners, their job is to find the glitches in the break. Mm -hmm. So for an average person like you or I... I would never think, I'm just going to play the game. We're just going to play fun. the game. Right. So did you get to see any speedruns on your own? Did you watch anything? I watched someone play a super awesome Guitar Hero. Oh, Clone Hero was good. Yeah, the Clone Hero. Clone and, Hero was fun. Like, so I played Guitar Hero back mm -hmm. in my emo days, as you do, at like 2 o'clock in the morning. It was the 80s version. Um, so I spent a lot of time with that game. So to see just... It was basically just like a stream of those dots, and that person just like hitting it, 
and like using the technique with his elbow that like we all like learned in back in middle school. It was cool to see like something like I almost kind of took seriously into such a pure like masterful art form and something so yeah, dumb as good. Like, interesting. It, like for me, it was just like that's like my. Um, I'm really sad I missed the uh, Super Mario 64. Yeah, that was all right. It was fun. The randomizer was like, the whole find different things. Like the entrance of Thwomp's Fortress spawned in Hazy Maze Cave. Oh, that's awesome. And then, like, the stars just randomly generate on the places. See, like, but, like, that's something, like, I'm sad I missed because, like, that's a game I've, I've played multiple, multiple times. That was good. The, um, the Cadence of Hyrule Race was fun. Uh-huh. Um, what was that? There were a couple of fun ones. I well, watched. they also did Mario Maker 2, right? They did, like, the, the, the blind speed. I didn't get to actually watch all of that. Okay. There's some once I actually had some things to do with where I was going for work, I couldn't watch a whole bunch. Got to watch the Final Fantasy VIII run in the morning. Fell asleep at the beginning of it, woke up at the end, and glad I woke up when I did and got to see the sweet, sweet recorder solo. <laughs> and got to hear the boys sing the song. Oh, that's so sweet. When that one goes live on. Um goes live on YouTube, you'll have to check that one. Okay, sure. most definitely. Because I can never pass up a sweet recorder solo. No, it was good. Yeah, it was good. But yeah, so GDQ, 3.13 million, that is a record. SGDQ only raised like 3.03 last year, so... They got an, an extra point. Yeah, an extra point one in there. An extra hundred thou. <laughs> they pointed. <laughs> yeah, so that was a lot of... A lot of news. We've got one more bit of news for y'all. Yeah. Usually we don't cover celebrity deaths or celebrity, but we really don't cover death, do we? No, not. It, they're few and far between. Which means you know it's something big when we're talking death. Right. And most of you guys probably have no idea who we're talking about. No, I I feel like more people are not near. I I'm the exception to the rule. I say that, but the reason I do is I don't know if space truly is age wise. Fair, but this is also coming from something that spans generations. Because they know the band, they may not know the name and why. So like me, filthy casual. Woo. The new appeared drummer of Rush, drummer of Rush, passed away. Age 67, Battle of Brain Cancer. Yep. I may or may not have shed a tear. Had a moment of oh damn. And I've been doing nothing but playing Rush music since. Yeah. It was, it's something that's taken the entire music industry by storm. I know that when I saw it, like I stopped. And this is coming from someone who I would, I'm, I'm very much a casual Rush fan. I did not grow up with them, but there's not a, a Rush song that I've listened to that I don't like. And after some brief education, um, I get it. Not to the same level as someone who's, you know, listened to Rush their whole life. But I get it. And the more I got it, the sadder I got. And this is a serious loss of pure, unfiltered skill. And masterfulness. The easiest way to put it is he was your favorite drummer 
favorite. I know a lot of people said that, but it's true. If you find any of the songs, it's just the way he played them. But it's more than the drum talent that's lost. It's also the lyrical talent. Mm -hmm. From his joining Rush on Fly By Night in 74, through, well, 2014 on the R40 tour, when they were all playing, he wrote most of the lyrics to almost every song. In fact, from 2112 onward, I think he exclusively wrote all the lyrics. Oh my goodness. There was the arrangement that Getty and Alex wrote the music, Neil wrote the lyrics to go with them. Nice. And you lose that talent as well, because he's the one that kind of brought coming into some of those things with the sci-fi concepts and the Ayn Rand concepts in 2112, the dystopian concept and other, and Clockwork Angels being the concept album it is, mm -hmm. with dystopian future kind of themes to it. Um, and everything there in between, his songs were written about his journeys and other journeys, things he liked and didn't like, and you could see it. It was all there. And that's what made Rush the band they were, was that ability to experiment. And that's what really helped a lot with it. Mm -hmm. Also, why they weren't that popular, because their lyrics weren't really appealing to mainstream. They had some mainstream success. Right. Moving Pictures, Permanent Waves, 2112, big mainstream. Mm -hmm. Everything else, probably nobody listens to. Except for the true Rush stands. Yeah, except we don't ever talk about Crosses Steel. <laughs> They called that tube the Going Down the Tubes tour. After that album, they made 2112 because they're like, well, this could be our last album. Who cares? Let's just make what we want to make. Oh, shit. And then they got successful. Yeah, and they're like, oh, we figured it out. But <laughs> Drumming Virtuoso will be deeply missed. Deeply, deeply missed. And seeing all these different musicians from all walks of life and musical, you know, musical genres just all saying, you know, Master. Yeah. Well, so. on that, there's no easy way to transition. So we're going to jump to our own voices with an ad for ourselves. And we're going to come back and talk some games with y'all. Hey, Corey. Did you know that you can interact with our podcast on Twitter while you're sitting on the toilet, not doing anything? I mean, don't judge me. I might already do that. <laughs> So make sure that you guys follow our Twitter so you can keep up with all of the latest twits that we release at, a pod, at PodThing on Twitter. Or if you have things that you would like us to talk about, or if you have any questions for us or about things we've talked about, you can contact us via our email address at athingpod at gmail.com. Well, that was us. And now... On to the next part, because we didn't really get the chance to get too reflective about 2019. Did we really need to? It was a year. It was shit happened. A shit lot. hit the fan at points. Other shit dropped that didn't need to drop. And then the new year started, and we almost started World War Three. You know, I don't really want to talk about World War Three today, but I will say the memes have been fucking mint. So, and even then, we're going to talk about games. I don't even think any of the games we're talking about came out. In no, maybe one, maybe, but we'll get there. But I think it's important that we we get this off of our chest because in 2019 we did play video games. 
some more than others. Yes. Um, I played maybe four. <laughs> maybe. But I think it's important that we take the chance to talk about how we spent our gaming lives. And as the thing of tears may or may not be aware of, I decided to play Persona this year. Not just any Persona. Persona 5. My first ever introduction into the RPG, JRPG genre. And oh my god. I know, I know we've heard me talk about it just a little bit, spurts here and there. Um, I didn't know what I signed up for. Yeah, you got into a rabbit hole. I got into a huge one. Um, shout out to the person that let me borrow this game, because Jesus, I had no idea. <laughs> um, and this game has definitely put me through an emotional roller coaster. I think that's how I want to start this, because it was, I need a game to play. Here's this game. Okay, my curiosity is peaked, and I'm playing, and the tutorial lasts forever. I'm like, okay, I'm just powering through it because out of curiosity. And then it starts making me really mad. <laughs> and I go from like mad to like complacency to pure stubbornness. And I hit a very stubborn point of my playthrough where I'm like, I'm gonna fucking do this, whether it kills me or not. And then now I just, I love it. I went through like the entire emotional spectrum of playing a <laughs> and I'm still not done with it. Nope. Not even close. No! Now I'm getting to like the halfway point. <laughs> yep. But, like, it's, it's crazy to me though because, like, I've, I've never played a game like this before. Ever. Outside, outside of, like, you know, in terms of like RPGs, like D&D. That's like been like my closest experience, but it's completely different to this. And what's really captured me with Persona is the story. Like that's what hooked me right away. And I get to play my own anime, basically. And the little clips that they put in also help enforce that I'm basically living out my own anime. And <laughs> just the fact like like I go to school and I like I have a day job. I haven't taken on a night job yet. Like, all of these, like, little things. On top of everything else that's going on. So it's just, like, it's an experience. That's, that is the best way I could put it. But I, I love it. And there, there's a lot of things I really like about it. Style is definitely one of them. Like, I love the high-contrast manga styles of all of the actual, like, animation and then like even like the character designs are great and i mean the game like could look better compared to like our graphics now but the game still looks great like i've got no problem playing it i can i can sit and i can watch it and like the the art designer um i'm gonna butcher all of these names probably because that's how reading names on the internet works but um shiganori sojima he was the art designer for Persona. And then you also had Masayoshi Suto as the art director. And like, they spoke to me. <laughs> like, I, 
the art the art definitely captured me i love the way that they play with the colors and like the contrast between like the the 2d animation and like the 3d character rendering and like all like the costume designs are great so it, it really appeals to me in that in that respect and even going into it like the way like some of the palaces look that you go into because um Madarame's palace was so gaudy but so pretty like <laughs> with with the use of colors and like it really it's screaming to the art nerd in me which is why like my bay in this is uh yusuke the traumatized art uh art protege underneath not surprise me no he's he's a he's a little emo but ryuji is my home he's my homie and I knew that I would fall in love with Ryuji when his description was vulgar boy <laughs> before I learned his name. And I'm like, I'm going to like him. So if I could be best friends with Ryuji, I totally would. And like the characters are so like thought out and fleshed out. You know, even, even my protagonist, Richard, Dick for short. <laughs> I had to. Ouch. <laughs> like I had to, so I have I have Richard running around, you know, just like the way the characters interact and like it's 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 a it's just it's very well it it gets you invested, and like Yusuke just being like the little emo boy and like counting his arts you know his arts and wanting to like find his muse again and it's just like it speaks, to um, and then like even the bad guys. So I'm at I'm at 50% bad guy right now. And just like the way that they make you want to pummel them. Cause they like they're just pieces of shit. I, I won't say how they're pieces of shit, but they're they're like honest to God, just like really bad people. So they really encourage you to like want to destroy them. So it's a good motivator. So that's yeah. that keeps me going. Especially when I'm grinding through the the combat system. So are you still not a fan of the I am now. It is a new development. And it's finally because I got the hang of it. It took me... Because again, this is my first delve into JRPG RPGs. Like, just first time ever. So this combat system is completely foreign to me. And for a while, it was really hard for me to get through. May or may not have fallen asleep during a battle or two when I was first starting to play. But now I, I've, I've got it, I've got it down and like I'm confident in it and I'm, I, I like it now because it's like, and I've gotten a lot quicker and it's familiar with it and like thinking of, you know, basically my little persona Pokemon battles <laughs> and like how to beat them. Cause like, again, you know, it's, it, it's basically, that's what it is, is I'm fighting with, you know, my catch, gotta catch them all personas you know, against other personas, and it's Pokemon. But I just get to make my own sometimes. And the way that they do it, oh, I love being able to make my own personas just because it's so, like, macabre. <laughs> That's the best way I can put it. I don't want to talk fuse personas to make a stronger one. Um, I definitely haven't, like, caught a lot of them, but I've made more than I've caught, and it's just because I just, like, I like the way that that goes. Okay. So, you know, so that's, it, it's appealed to me now. But the combat system definitely 
to and was a big part of that roller coaster of emotions that I went through in playing this game so far. And, and now I really enjoy it. Um, and the music that they play while you fight, bruh. The music of this is top tier for me. It, it's got that, it's like acid jazz. And there are times now where I'll just turn the game on just soundtrack. Like it's that good. I'll, I'll sing along while I'm fighting. Like, and I'm, I'm just, I'm into it and I'm having a fun time, like listening, like Sapphire, like some of my favorite songs that have come from this so far, nothingness. And just like that one, it, it just like, it hits my heart. Um, and with the stars and us, both the piano version and the one with vocals, Ooh, it hits you on a level. So it, it, it's, it hits a lot of notes for me in ways that I was not expecting it to. Okay. I've never played a game before to like not touch it just so I could listen to music. It's interesting. It's something I was not expecting for me to like want to do. And it's like now it's like I recognize like I put it up on YouTube, but there are different versions on YouTube and I like the ones that are in the game. And those are the ones I want to listen to. And that's why they make game soundtracks. I mean I know. But they're very easy to find on Spotify. I know. I do have I am following <laughs> On, on Spotify, because I do listen to it from time to time when I'm not playing the game, because <laughs> it's it's just that good. And even uh, like the Keeper of Lust, which is like one of like the first like boss soundtracks that you come across when you're fight when you're fighting one of the bad guys, um, Kamoshida. Fuck Kamoshida. But Madarame's worse. Madarame's a big piece of shit. Um, but the music that they play for that, it just like it gets you. It's like it's good like hype music and like wanna you wanna wreck shit so the way that it's incorporated into the game is just like done for me and i'm a big music person so that was a nice big hook for me and it's still an experience so i can't talk about the rest because i haven't gotten there yet yeah because you haven't beaten it i haven't but i've gotten i put more hours into this than i have a lot of other games that i've played like stardew which is the other game of last year that I played, and I actually played with you for a while. Yeah, Stardew came out, what, 2016? I believe so. But... When you got your Switch... When I got my Switch, I went ahead and got it, waiting to buy four Switch so I could play it on the go, because I love Harvest Moon. Right. Unabashedly, Harvest Moon is one of the franchises where it turned in a direction to that I played anymore. And that's where... Stardew Valley came in, and concerned ape himself, and concerned ape, blessed be he, decided to make a fan version of Harvest Moon for fans of Harvest Moon, and then it turned into so much more. So it's done in that classic Harvest Moon, like SNES style. So it's like 16-bit sprite animation, and just like any other Harvest Moon game, you get a farm. This one happens to be your grandfather's farm. You get three years to do it up, and comes back and grades your farm. And then you find out if you pass or fail, and if you pass, the game goes on. If you fail, it ends. So, much like you'd expect from a game like this, you have your relationship mechanics. So you have to befriend all the people in town, pick your bride, upgrade your house, get bigger families. Or and your kids. husband. Or husband. Or you can even get like a good harem going. You can if you have a rock if you have the rabbit's foot. If you don't have the rabbit's foot, I don't recommend it. Oh yeah, because then a lot. Um, 
So. And then you have, there's just a lot, and there's a lot to do. Yeah, I mean, like, and, we've had fun because, like, they have the co-op version, and, like, we've tried and are also trying again to start a farm back up together, and it was, I got, I got started because he, I mean, I had my Switch before him, but he's like, hey, get this game, and then I finally did, so we started playing it together, and, I mean, it's a good relaxing time. I, I never played Harvest Moon, um, but I like the idea of, like, cultivating my own land and being independent. Um, so I like the, but I like the fishing mechanic. The fishing is probably my favorite part in Stardew. Easy. Yeah, see, I, I enjoy the farming aspect of it because it's relaxing. You just sit there and hit the button and see what happens and make your farm. Mm -hmm. I like the mine and combat mechanic. Because that's something that wasn't really in Harvest Moon. The mining mechanic was. So in the Harvest Moon on the Game Boy, what or on GameCube. I can't remember the name of it off the top of my head. But on that one, you actually had a tent that you could go into, go down and spend time mining up fossils and ores and stuff and donating them to a museum and getting them checked out. So that's in here, but they added the combat to it. And the combat's more inspired by like Rune Factory. Um, things kind of like that. The crafting mechanic that was brought into it kind of is inspired by Minecraft and making your own things to upgrade your farm instead of having someone else build them like you did in other games. Yeah, I like the crafting mechanic as well, too, because it's like, ooh, what can I make? Oh, let me just make this really quick. Da -da -da -da. So it did also be the aspect of the game, which I appreciated, but you still had to go in and, like, interact because, like, oh, I need to go get ore made, so let me see Clint really quick, or, oh, I need some wood. Let me go find Robin. I need a chicken cooper. I need to hold all these animals because I know on, like, my last file, I ended up with I've got two barns, a coop, a green. I got the greenhouse. I got the community center taken care of. Like I, I did a lot in that game. Um, and then like going back to it now <laughs> after not touching it after a little while, and then also not having any of the upgrades. I feel like I feel like a peasant. <laughs> yeah, and that's why I decided to start a new file when I when the new year rolled. So for this year, I'm starting a new farm to play on, and I'm going to see where I get by the end of the year. See how many more hours I can put into this game, because... They also have a bunch of new updates for us to play with, too, which is great. And they all came for free with it, and I'm not going to lie, I spent so many hours just trying to get Liam to marry me in my first playthrough before the end of year one that I let a lot of things go. Mm -hmm. So this one I'm doing a lot differently. By going after somebody different. Yep. See, I'm, I'm going, after, uh, going after the emo boy. So... In my personal playthrough, I'm going after Abigail. Okay. In my our co-op playthrough, I think I'm courting Leah. You were courting Leah. So that's going to be interesting to see what happens in those. Yeah. No, I will be I will be courting Sebastian in our co-op, and then I haven't figured out because in my only like solo playthrough, I currently have Elliot. I don't know how I feel about him anymore. I'm a different woman now than I was <laughs> when I played Stardew the last time. And Elliot's really not my thing. It's a little too dramatic for me. So It'll be fun, but Stardew Valley definitely is up on my list of games of the year as well, because like I said, I spent, it's probably the game I spent the most time playing this year. It was this in Game Dev Tycoon, which is something else I'm going to talk about here in a moment. Actually, that moment is now. So, Game <laughs> Dev Tycoon is a game that and the basic aspect of the game is you start a 
back in the Commodore 64 early PC IBM compatible days, writing text-based and very low 2D sprite-based graphical-based games for those, and you build your company up to modern gaming age. The goal is you have like a 30, 35 year time frame inducted into the Gaming Hall of Fame for game development. And you get to unlock different genres and make different games so you can make a space RPG or a space adventure, however you want to do it, name it what you want. That's all you get to do. Then you sit there and decide how much effort you put into aspect as you hire your team and train them. Doesn't that sound like fun? Yeah, totally. You unlock research labs where you can your own MMOs, your own Steam-based thing that they call the... I actually don't remember. I actually... The node. Sorry, it's the node. Okay. Um, I'm going to be a filthy casual here for a second, but I'm pretty sure I watched Jacksepticeye play a little bit of this game. Possibly Pro Jared played it as well. Yeah. Most people think... have played it. Yeah, like... That's about my my knowledge of this game is watching Jacksepticeye play a little bit of it. The more you talk about it, I'm like, I think he played this. I like simulation games. I'm not gonna lie. I still play I, I, I still play The Sims. I love SimCity. I love Sim games. RTSs, things like that. So this one screamed to me to be like, yeah, you know what, I try it. And I put a lot of time into this one too. See, I don't have my problem is, is I really don't have the patience for these kind of games, like like the simulation games. Like for me, like my my stuff with Sims is killing people in roller coaster ty tycoon by not finishing it or ramping it up and like watching like pile up. That was like my MO. And then also just messing around with Sims and not trying to really make any progress. Um so for simulation games, it's not really my cup of tea. Um but it's good to see that you you know, found a good one for, for this year to... How many hours do you think you sink into it? Uh, That's the million... I have put... If my Steam library will load and cooperate with... On Game Dev Tycoon... I have played 24 hours. So oh. I put a full day into that game. Yeah, a full day. That's a decent amount of time. Into a simulation game, yes. Into a simulation game, yeah, most definitely. Because, I mean, I put in... I mean, if we're not counting the times where I just let the game run to listen to music, um, I'm at, like, 50-ish hours of Persona. So, I'm actually going to talk about JRPG as well. <gasps> now, mine's... A little different. A lot older. Like you, compared to me? Oh! So, <laughs> the Game of Time Bug originally came out back in 19... But we happened to, last year, and the 20th anniversary, get a remaster of Final Fantasy VIII. Woo! And the only reason I want to talk about it is... Final Fantasy VIII. Right? And I, I did sink a lot of time into it, and to this list, because it came out in 2019 as a remaster. That's the reason I want to talk about it. So specifically talking about... The changes. Okay. And I think I've talked about them before, but since I've had some time to actually play it a little bit, that's our opinions. Okay. First one being that the PC land, the PC port that they found the code to that they that they used for it does not translate well to controller layouts because you're on a grid. Mm. There's no free movement, so you have to be in certain angles and positions, but which slows down progress. 
Okay. Um, the sprites look amazing. Nice updated sprites, but the backgrounds are still nice bitmap textures. So they do look a little muddy, especially on modern TVs. You can definitely see some artifacting on them. It's okay. Survive. Enjoy your spiffy Dissidia models. <laughs> Censorship. Um, the big controversy was censored Siren. You could no longer see her pubes. Oh, that's no fun. They put a bikini bottom on her. Oh, that's so lame. So that was a big controversy. And those character models also got a nice update, which was... Well, maybe it's like you can see pubes, but not in HD. No, they don't want that. They don't want those kids who are discovering this with the easy mode on it, you know? So that's the one thing I do want to talk about, is that they all of them for 7, 9, their re-releases, and now with 8, that you can actually enter in 3 times speed mode, which is nice to get through some of the longer dialogue segments in Final Fantasy VIII, because if there's one thing about that game that's more so than some of the others, it is dialogue heavy. Um, so 3 times video is nice for that. No random encounters. So I toyed with it a bit to get through some areas just to run through for playthrough's sake. It's okay. It is definitely easy mode, but if you're wanting to play the game just for the story, this is probably the best game to use that on since the game levels with you. Okay. So you'll never be under-leveled or over-leveled for an area. The other one is an interesting kind of love-hate mechanic. It's going to... 999 mode essentially so everything is bumped up to its highest mm -hmm. and you can turn on or off and i'm not a fan of that mode at all that okay. makes the game way too easy but they did it for a reason these games are long so i mean when final fantasy 8 came out in 99 it was a four disc ps1 game jesus a long game yeah multiple discs. yeah it's a 40 hour i mean story you can get through the story in about eight hours. That's okay. been done. At GDQ, they did the FF8 speedrun. Right. And, yeah, they did that in about, actually, nine and a half hours for the main story. Yeah, because you fell asleep at the beginning and woke up at the end. But, you know, that's speeding through everything. That's also running to exactly and knowing where you need to go. Finding the optimal, they found the optimal routes for it. But for people who are going to be like us, who want to do other things, and it's about a 30, 40-hour day. Right. Give or take. You definitely get your money's worth out of it. The music, I'm going to be honest, did not translate well because it did not get any updates to the way the soundtrack sounded. You can get a remastered soundtrack with it. It is oh. still the original. That being said, this Nubo Ometsu's music, it's still great. The Riley Fatale still sounds great. The FMVs actually have aged very well. They did not really get up-resed too much. Okay. And they still look pretty good for 90s FMVs. You can definitely tell they're 90s FMVs, but they don't look bad. And the meme can no longer be said. Squall truly is the best one at that party. Oh. Meme dismissal. Bow, bow, bow. I guess there's one other game we can talk about. That we both played. Yes. The only actual 2019 release on this list. Just, we cheated a little bit. So guys, we did we did include 2019 release. So we'll tell you what. This is our game that was released in 2019 that we both played of the year award. <laughs> and the nominee is Super Mario Maker 2. Nancy, do you want to read us the winner? <gasps> Hold on one moment. 
It was Crash Bandicoot. Oh, wait, sorry. Super Mario Maker 2. I pulled a Steve Harvey. Yeah. <laughs> so, the only games, the only game that was brand new this year that we both played Super was Mario Super Maker Mario Maker 2. 2. And so we got to talk about it, right? We have to. Of course. It's obligation. Yes. We, have to, we can't have a best game of 2019 list without a game that actually came out in 2019. Definitely. We can't give a guest game of 2019 to a game that didn't come out in 2019. So by obligatory, we have the consensus that we here at a thing have both played this game. So it is our <laughs> game of the year. <laughs> but it was a good game. Yeah, it's Mario Maker. It's Mario Maker. It's fantastic. Yeah, it's Mario Maker. And everyone knows now. That, so I love it that much more. I love games that I'm bad at. And that's probably why I like Persona too, because I'm really bad at Persona. But I get to play it anyway. So, and I'm bad at platforming. And Mario Maker really is the true continuation of what 2D Mario should be. Right. And my reasoning behind that is it wasn't set into a mold. And more so, even the Nintendo-made levels in this one are more outside of the mold of what Nintendo would normally release. Especially in games like Super Mario Maker's Wii, or Super Mario Bros. New Super Mario Bros. Deluxe special yeah, edition so, Wii U. Like new name. Super Mario Bros. Those levels are kind of stale. We've seen those before, but Mario Maker gives you fresh takes on these same ideas. Right. Because they add different enemies with different mechanics that even the players discover that the developers use. Yeah. And it brings a lot to it. Like I really am enjoying the story mode of Mario Maker 2. Playing the Nintendo developed levels, doing it as a mission format to rebuild the castle. Whatever, it's cool. I unlocked the, the Mario Land flower, which makes me happy because now I get to hear that music. I love. Nice. I will put that into a level just so the music plays. Like, if you play my levels, you will find one in each level somewhere. It is that. It's literally just there so the Mario, so that the Game Boy Land, the, the Game Boy music plays for Mario Land. See, for me, I love that they put in the slide race theme from Super Mario 64 because that is like the trolliest song. And it's just like, and it just screams yes. at you over and over again. So I appreciate that. And the that. original Mario Kart. Yeah. I love that for that. That's good. Like, I, I'm glad they added more music. I'm glad that Nintendo is finally, like, steering into this kid. Because, like, I, I've had this conversation with original Mario Maker. And, like, Mario Maker showed Nintendo what their players want. You know, because, like, beforehand, like, we had, like, the Kaizos, you know, yeah. and, like, different ways of playing I, I games. I want to know where my me costumes are or where my uh amiibo costumes are rather yeah they like, took come on you gave me link as a playable character in the four which is awesome by the way oh it's yes a lot the... of fun to... i did get to play i played what you worked on and i didn't totally suck at it um, but it was cool to see, like, other mechanics. So then it also, you know... Or can we get, like, a Samus skin? That'd be cool. Get, like, yes. you know, more Fallen Mario Metroid levels. Mix Metroidvania go. Especially since we're waiting for the next Metroid game, like, again. So it's, it's like we can make our... Yeah, so you can make your own for now. Um, or, you know, like, even, like, playing as Bowser would be fun. Because, like, we got a taste of, like, playing as Bowser in uh, Super Mario Odyssey. Like, yeah. Like, playing around with, like, that mechanic, but, like, it has to be, like, on a timer system. Like, that would be... Maybe. Like, that would be a cool mechanic to introduce, like, 
like mushrooms that only last for like x like you know like x amount of seconds i mean i don't know because that'd be better suited to introduce into a mainline mario game first to see how the audience reacts to it than putting it into a mario maker format that's true but either way i would like to see that because it you know because it's not like they haven't toyed around with like idea like timed mario power-ups before like i mean like the stars timed well the stars the, always been timed well, yes, but the stars that's the only timed. one well i mean in 2d mario yes every power-up in 3d mario originally was timed in 64 everything had a timer yeah so it's not like they're to not opposed to experimenting with it but i think the next step is to give us like more of a 3d play space maybe that's gonna be hard to do though because well, it's, but then it confines so you have a confined but, element maybe sub area for like a level it's you can do like a room in 3d mario 64 space maybe do it like the super paper mario 3d world like type deal or give like, us paper mario yes paper mario and mario maker Perfect. Like Paper Mario style graphics to make a level in Mario Maker. So you Paper Mario Mario Maker. Exactly. And then like it's we already got the hammer. And you could make a Mario a Paper Mario RPG maker and there's your next Paper Mario game. Yeah, because I've been wanting to play another Paper Mario game before. Uh, I'd like them to bring me back a traditional RPG Paper Mario instead of the experimental they've been doing. Fair enough. But it's okay. But I think what we're gonna do is we're gonna throw it back to our voices telling you stupid shit about ourselves. Huzzah! We're going to come back and finally talk about episode 4 of Carnival Row to wrap things up today. Let's go! Hey Nancy, did you know that you can reach out to us anytime on our Facebook page? Wait, you mean like anytime? Like even at like 3 in the morning when I'm eating an entire pint of ice cream? They can reach out. Doesn't mean we're going to answer at an odd hour like that, but we do our best to get back to everybody. And for those of y'all wondering, if you just search us up, it's facebook.com slash podthing. Be able to go ahead and give us a like over there and get notified when we get new episodes up and running or why there's delays. Also, you can always subscribe at anchor.fm forward slash a thing pod. And from there, you can get subscribed on your favorite social media platform out there for podcasts. All right, after that rude interruption, we're here to talk about Carnival Road. Or finally, because it's been a while has been we had some other things we needed to talk about decided to take a break but don't worry johnny depp is still near and dear to our hearts or is it orlando bloom or is it johnny bloom i don't know but episode four i like to call yet had she had a rough go with this for not doing anything she really didn't do anything did she no like by definition she did Literally nothing. She flapped her wings and stabbed a guy in the wing. Does that count? No, because she didn't kill him. That's right, she almost got her head chopped off with garden shears. Which would have been a really cool way to see someone get up, like, taken out, just like, by the way. But then she got white knighted. <laughs> but we'll get there. <laughs> We're getting ahead of ourselves. It's been a while since we've talked about this, so... Last time was Backstory Theater. Yeah, we, we got all of our backstory, we got our recap. A recap rundown, and... And prior to that, Vignette joined the Pixie Mafia. Right. So, this episode deals more with the Pixie Mafia and Vignettes. With her. You have some theft with Mogan and... I can't remember his name. Ooh. Argius? 
Maybe that's how you say it? Perflaps? Perflaps. I think it's agreeous. I'm Ag sorry. It's agreeous. That was egregious of you to butcher agreeous. Cough. <laughs> anyway, tried. we have more of that. What's going to be an interesting story with him and Mrs. Mogan? Pretty sure that's going to come out. I think that's going to be the way to put it. Interesting. Yeah, I mean, I give. I'm starting to give her props for being a. Open-minded? Or is that the proper way? Because she still made him use the surface entrance. No, I'm not going to... Okay, so she's a little bit more open-minded, and like I could see that, but it's not necessarily that, but she's a woman that's willing to do what needs to get done. And that's what I appreciate. And like I said, I said this one of like the last times we talked about Immigrant's character, is like I'm excited to see what they do with her, because she has like that, that growth potential... Of, like, not just being the sister that looks pretty and does things. And even, like, mentioned that in this episode of all of that. And her willing to find a way around it. She's definitely got her dad's comeuppance. Yeah. But that was kind of just a sideline to this week. Really, the big story was Vignette and the Pixie. And... And the kidnapping. Yeah. Like, although was maybe not the big story, it's the... was the most interesting. Yeah, and we'll talk about that, but I want to talk a little bit of a bit more about the Pixie Mob here. Okay. So Vignette gets her initiation, she stole the flag, and woohoo, she's part of the Pixie Mob. Yeah, and the turbulence she created underneath her wing her wings when she stole the flag bugged me a little bit. But... Just like she didn't create that turbulence before, but that's just me. It's just the thing that bugged me. <laughs> <laughs> but she got the flag. She's now a part of the crew. Part of the Black Raven. She told the Shadow Ona. Then they learn that there's a spy. There's a little cricket chirping through the coppers. Dun, dun, dun. And she gets put squarely in the spotlight when she's followed and caught talking to our hero Orlando Blue Philo. <laughs> Not to be confused with Johnny Depp Philo. Yeah, Johnny Depp Philo comes later in the episode. <laughs> Who Philo has his own interesting because he basically gets molested by a witch. Yeah. He didn't consent to it. I mean... But didn't he? He kind of did. But he was drugged. Yeah. So he gets jacked off by a witch for his seed? To create To make life. a molefish? Yeah, it, it's called... It's called a dark asher, I think. But it's a molefish? But it's definitely a molefish. Um, and that poor thing. Um, but... So, he has an interesting storyline with all of that because he's still trying to figure out what he saw in the sewers. Like, what was that creature? Because he has no idea. He has heard of things. He's consulted with one of the other, one of the other fae of, you know, religious, religious stature. And she, she does not know of things. So, of course, he goes to the witch. Right. Because as you do, if like the holier than thou one, you, you go, go to the, the one witch. that's go to the one that's not scared to do the nitty gritty. Um. So he goes and see her. Well, meanwhile, Vignette is now trying to figure learn. figure things out and learn to be part of the pixie mob and learning what she has to do. As she's being told that she has to do the day routes, because that's where they're starting her. 
Mm-hmm. She has to be on her legs. She can't fly during the day because they'll shoot her out of the sky. All that good stuff. And then she gets put in the spotlight for having a conversation with Philo. Gotta go back to where we were before I started talking about Philo's molestation. Yeah, we, we had a little and diatribe. There's a lot so that she goes gets on. caught in the. You see her getting thrown, almost kind of thrown over the ledge, being held on by her wings. Which could not have been comfortable. And essentially, to spare her own life, she has to find Yep, she's like, I'll find it, I'll find it. Spoiler alert. She does. Does she? Does she find the cricket? I mean, she doesn't do anything in this episode, so... But she didn't find the cricket, because we then find out that the cricket has been chirping to Philo... And if it wasn't for Tourmaline, Vignette would just be dead. <laughs> if it wasn't for Tourmaline and Philo, Vignette would be dead. Yeah. It would be dead if it was not for Tourmaline and Philo. And that's the thing. So, I'm... Oh, no. That's what this episode has been. This episode. I, I won't say this series, but it's well, definitely been this isn't episode. isn't that kind of what the last episode I do? He left her? It's a white knight, essentially, and do what was best for her. Well, do what was best for her. But, like, she was also still able to, like, stand her own and survive. Like, she has, she has like, the comeuppance to be able to do it. Like, this episode specifically, like, she couldn't handle anything. She couldn't, she couldn't handle the, the Black Raven. Couldn't handle figuring out who the cricket was. She had to have told to her. Mm-hmm. And then she couldn't even kill the guy. She had the perfect opportunity to because he wanted to fuck her. It's a quote from the show. And yeah, she, but she, she could have just let, let him and killed him in the process. Or, you know, chopped his dick off, presented his dick. Yeah, I, I think we talked about that off. I Surprise. Fuck yeah. off. Yep. Here's his dick. It's not his wings. It's his fucking dick. It can't do anything. Right. So, and he's dead. So, you know. Problem solved. Instead, Philo shoots him. Spoiler yep. alert. So then, and then she helps him, like, bury the yeah, body. Help me hide the body. Throw him in the sewer. Where does it go? The ocean? <laughs> yeah. Remember? To the ocean? Are they going to say anything? Like, who are they going to say something to? Me? I'm not going to. Yeah. What are they going to say? That a copper's bullet? That they found a copper's, ra- a copper's bullet in him? Not going to matter. Yeah. I won't say anything. Yeah. He can play the system when he needs to, even though he's, like, still fighting against it. So. I do like, and I know we're kind of jumping ahead and jumping kidnapping it, but there is something at the end where Philo said that he was between worlds and he had to choose one. Mm-hmm. And then he takes her off her to... I thought that was sweet. Lady. But, like, it was also, like, really awkward. Right? I've never had anybody really say, I have somebody served me dinner in so long. Oh, well, you deserve it. That's awkward. Mm-hmm. Because then he just goes to, like, immediately... And, like, and drinking thing... his beer. And drinking his beer. That beer but looks good. The thing was, though, is, like, this was totally a rebound move. And that's what really made me mad because, uh-huh. like, he had gone and he had given Vignette her, you know, her bead back. Yeah. But it was, it was sweet. But he kept it yeah. all this time. Like, that broke my heart because, like, you can tell, like, he still loves her. Yeah, but like, he gave it back to her. He was here. Like, like, I'm sorry I hurt you. I don't deserve this. I shouldn't have done And I'm like, oh, my heart. <laughs> and she doesn't, and then it leaves Vignette with crisis. I did nothing. I was useless this episode. Yeah. Now let's talk about this kidnapping. Yes, because the kidnapping is actually probably the most interesting story arc that we've had, like, for this episode. Spoiler alert, they find the kid. They do. But was he ever really lost? No. Or was the kidnapping PSD? (laughs) 
Oh, he did. He did show some signs of peace too. Yeah. The sound of heels clicking on stone is not one that you forget when that's like the only thing that you can hear for hours on end. Mommy, why'd you kidnap me? And why? Oh, spoiler alert. Yeah, his mom. Well, I mean, didn't we find that out? But he found it out. Well, but we. Is, that, is it really a spoiler that you know? It was spoilers to him. <laughs> but is it a spoiler to us? Well, we already know it. We. I know. It's like, oh, yeah, so mummy, will you water? No. No? Okay. Yeah. But I do like the fact that the whole episode is built on him trying not the guy in court or in parliament. And right. then he just, he does. Yeah. He, and then he, he has him it. arrested. Beats the shit out of him. And then wife comes in and. Drugs in the death. And then says that he told her where he. That's where she's been holding him the whole time. And it was all produced by the wife to get rid of the political episode. Ho, 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 politics. Yay, politics. She's definitely power hungry. There's more to it than that that we'll talk about, but for now, it looks like it's just a power move. Politics. Yeah, as you do. Wouldn't be surprised to see the Trumps do it to each other at some point. Whoa. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I'll have to edit that out. Yeah, probably so. <laughs> or not. Plug we'll it. Unfortunately, I don't have the that that is solely I mean, in your it's hands. A joke, people. Political families pull shit like this all the time. And they made it out unscathed. They should be unless fine. your last name's Epstein. So that's Carnival Row, episode four. It's been a while since we've had the conversation. Um. So yeah, do you have any thoughts on this episode? I mean, I do. It was a good one for what I was able to actually absorb of do a rewatch myself just for some future reference notes, but it was all right. I'm excited to see what comes next and hopefully don't have to make any more political family jokes, but I know they're coming. There's probably more to this, but it's going to be fine because they're jokes. And in the end, people, I'm not actually talking about politics. I'm just mocking them. There you go. And Epstein didn't kill himself. No, he did not. Stop.